Hello, listeners. Before diving into today's episode, I wanted to share a few ways you can go deeper with the ideas I talk about in this podcast and support my work. The first is my book, The Pathless Path, which many of you have probably already heard about, but if you haven't purchased it already, I really think you'll love it. The second is The Pathless Path Community, which I just opened up as a one-time pay-what-feels-right access fee. And in that group, you can meet hundreds of other people from around the world on unconventional paths like me. Finally, I'm working on a second book tentatively called Good Work, which is going to explore my deeper relationship with work and how that led to a lot of the transformations in my life. You can follow along in my newsletter, Pathless, which you can also find a link to that in the show notes if you want to learn more about that. Without further ado, let's dive into the show. We're under this impression that people are doing things faster, but humans can only move so fast. Welcome to Unleashed, the podcast that explores how to thrive as an independent professional. I'm your host, Will Bachman. Unleashed is produced by Umbrex, the world's first global community connecting top-tier independent management consultants with one another. If you visit umbrex.com slash unleashed, you can sign up for the weekly unleashed email in which you'll get the show notes delivered straight to your inbox, as well as a transcript of that week's episode and other bonus features available only to subscribers. Our guest today is my good friend, Umbrex member, Paul Millard. Paul has experience at McKinsey and the Boston Consulting Group, as well as the board and CEO advisory group at Russell Reynolds Associates. He currently has a wide portfolio of activities. He's a real Renaissance talent. Paul is currently an independent strategy consultant, a career coach, the host of a podcast called Boundless. He's an active writer who puts out great posts several times a week. He hosts Jeffersonian Dinners in Boston, He's interested in the gift economy and the future of work. And Paul has created a career transition playbook and other course materials, including a story course. In this episode, we have a wide-ranging discussion covering just a few of Paul's interests. I encourage you to check out his website and sign up to his mailing list. Visit think-boundless.com. Hello, Paul. It is great having you on the show. Thanks, Will. I am uh, excited to talk to you today. All right. And today is a bit of a co-branded episode. We're going to publish this on Unleashed, and we're also going to publish this on on your podcast, uh, Boundless. So listeners of both shows, welcome. Um, Paul, I, I learned this question from you, and I love this question. Uh, you told You told me that when you're meeting people, instead of saying, what do you do, you say, so what is energizing you recently? I think I got that right. But so, Paul, what is energizing you right now? Yeah, definitely, Will. I I mean, everybody's been to the networking party and you say, uh, what do you do? And nobody actually wants to answer that question. So right now, what's energizing me is actually, um, like you said, I am. I recently just launched a podcast and am repositioning a lot of the things I've done around um, a new venture, which I'm calling Boundless. And it's both an idea and a platform. Um, so the idea is that we're capable of more than we believe. And we hold ourselves back because of our environment, expectations, beliefs. 
And I also want to use the platform just to make sense of what is happening. I, th- I think the workforce is changing. I'm sure you understand this as an independent professional for a while um, and help people navigate the future of work. Um, so, I mean, that's just really exciting to me right now and uh, really looking to stick my teeth into that for 2018. So beyond the podcast, you say this is a broader platform. What else is going on with, with Boundless? And this would be for listeners of Unleashed who, who haven't heard as much about it. Yeah, so uh, spending, spending a lot of time, I, I kind of stepped back at the end of 2017 and said, okay, what, what do I really enjoy doing? What does energize me? It came down to three things, uh, content, coaching, and community. Um, so that first part, creating content, I do a lot of writing. Um, I like to go really deep in trying to answer these questions. Uh, what drives us? How do we do work that matters to us? What motivates us? Uh, how do you make sense of a career in a uh, working world that ceases, to, uh, that increasingly is harder to make sense of? Um, so really going deep through the writing, podcasting, um, thinking about doing some video stuff, um, but really experimenting there. Uh, the second thing is really around coaching. So I've followed a not very default path. I've, I've worked for some great companies. I've been really lucky, but I've, I've taken unconventional routes or different paths. And I've had success making sense of this myself. And I've also done career coaching for at least uh, three or four years. So it's really about helping people navigate that and uh, figuring out what a career means in today's world. And then uh, the third thing, like I mentioned, is the community. So I've been really thinking about how do you bring together people around this idea? And one thing I did recently was have a Jeffersonian dinner. Um, have you heard of this concept? I have not. And I, I, I'm hoping to hear about it right now. Yeah. So I, it, we actually held it this week in uh, Boston. It was uh, you have about eight to 14 people at a table around a topic. And our topic was radical ideas and people operations. And you have a moderator, and the idea is to have one central conversation. So one person at a time, and you're really focusing on listening. You go deeper, um, really try to create those connections and uh, learn from each other and uh, have have those connections deeper than you would at just a uh, networking conversation or a typical dinner where you're just having those tied conversations. So, yeah, that's uh, the, those are the things energizing me, and I'm uh, pretty excited. Uh, for all, for all of this. Now you mentioned content. Uh, I have seen some of your writing, and we, I want to get into some particular pieces you've written. Uh, I found you have on Medium. Uh, is that the main place where you're putting stuff, or where can people find your content? Yeah, so definitely writing on Medium and LinkedIn. Uh, also, just reposition my stuff. So on my site, it's think-boundless.com. And put a lot of my writing up there. Also, just experimenting with different platforms. But uh, yeah, that's where a lot of the uh, writing is. So the first place people could go would be think-boundless.com. Correct. Okay. And uh, and that's hyphen or dot? I'm sorry. So think. Hyphen. Think think think-boundless.com. Okay. Yeah. Find your writing there and. Uh, I really liked your, your you have a, your medium piece, and that was one to get into was is uh, your media habits. So, you know, Tim Ferriss talked about this, and that was the I think where I first got into this, or, you know, heard the idea of a media diet with his four hour work week and eliminating the newspaper. And um, you, you kind of had a recent uh, post 
sim- along similar lines where uh, well why don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit about that yeah so uh, i've always i've always loved learning and reading and i think when i was in college i really started double down on this and found books that really inspired me i think freakonomics was one book that just kind of blew up my brain and I said, okay, I love doing this. I need to keep finding books, uh, find people, find articles. So I've, I've naturally always gone after the deeper stuff, the long form stuff. But I think in 2016, I, I, everyone probably got caught up in the election. And I found myself more and more paying attention to this day and day, day-to-day news of who said what. Did you find yourself uh, in a similar predicament in 2016? Despite making uh, strong <laughs> efforts not to. Yes. Yeah. So for me, I, I really started to take a step back and I started researching, what are we doing? Like, why are we paying so much attention to the news? And I think I stumbled upon uh, some writing Ryan Holiday did. He, he kind of exposed how the media is, is basically hacking our brain to keep us addicted to this content. But I also just started thinking back. So if you think about it, for millions of years, there was no news. They were just the stories people told each other. And for the past hundred years, we really only had news maybe once a day, uh, maybe a couple times a day, or even just once a week. Now, for the past 20 years, it's like 24-7. So we're under this impression that people are doing things faster, but humans can only move so fast. So it, I, I don't really think it is that faster and crazier. So in 2016, I... I really started to challenge myself, okay, I need to come up with systems to uh, get back to the deeper stuff that I really enjoy doing. And so how have you been trying to very consciously shape your own uh, reading and media consumption habits? Are there things that you've sort of, you know, intentionally avoiding now? And and what are you trying to consciously and mindfully put in that place? Yeah, so... Uh, I sat down and I've been listening to many of your uh, podcasts, Will, and really love it. And you always think in frameworks. So I thought I should try and structure this. So I have three steps. It's block, curate, and then for me, it's right. And I think the third one can be uh, different for different people. Uh, But first is just block the news. Um, So that's deleting the social apps. Um, You can still check it through a browser. Delete the news apps. Uh, don't watch the news. So I don't watch nightly news. I don't watch cable news. Also another, I found tools online like uh, Momentum, which puts up a nice uh, quote screensaver on your open tab window and uh, Facebook news feed eradicator, which actually just blocks the news feed and helped me really cut down on a lot of that day-to-day news I was checking. The second step was about curating. So I followed a lot of people and I think we're in a actually amazing time. There's so much good content out there, but it's not that easy to find. So a lot of people have started email newsletters. So I've been following people that I really like. I think uh, you shared some links recently uh, of people I also like. Um, Like Tyler Cowen has a great blog on Marginal Revolution. I follow Barry Ritholtz on um, the Big Picture blog. He puts up daily links. I, I follow Shane Parrish. He has a, uh, a great blog on Farnham Street and, and just finding these people that also want to read good stuff and uh, kind of filtering that so I can go through and uh, go into the stuff that's more interesting or might uh, stimulate my mind. And then the 
third thing I did, uh, starting in, I think this was 2016, I started writing a weekly post. What are the top five Goodreads I found of the week? Um, my hypothesis was that people don't want to find it. And uh, doing this myself would force myself to uh, basically do the reading and keep me honest and accountable, but I'll actually align my behavior with things I want to do anyway. And so, and when, when were, you, were you posting that? So I post that on Medium now and also just have a uh, mailing list that goes out every Sunday. I don't ask for anything. I just put it out there and uh, have some followers that keep me honest. It's uh, every every Sunday, right to your inbox. So that weekly post, so you're just you're is it just purely a, a link, a list of links, or are you giving some of your own commentary? Here's what I found interesting about this article. I've added a little more comments as I've gone with it. I think also as I'm getting better as a writer, mostly just here's the article, maybe here's one good quote, or uh, here's why I found it interesting. You know, it's it's interesting that you, that you found that a useful vehicle. It, it, there's something about committing to a schedule of of hitting publish that if you're doing it you know, i guess i've found that it kind of all of a sudden you start becoming more aware and looking for ideas and paying more attention to things because you're saying okay i got in your case i have my sunday thing coming up uh what am i going right. to put in it so during the week you're you're being more alert to to things and noticing them more than you might have otherwise yeah totally and uh so I've had a pretty busy week this week, and I know I have to write the posts on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It, it's been at least, I think I'm on the 56th edition. So it, it's almost, uh, I mean, it's a habit at this point. Mm-hmm. But I know tomorrow I need to kind of dive in and do the reading, which is actually great because I'm looking forward to tomorrow morning. It's like, oh, yeah, there's some reading time. I get to uh, dive into things. That's cool. Talk to me a little bit about your, you have a course. So you did a, a free course on, I think it's Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y, and yeah. talk to me about how, how that happened, and, and, and practically, how does one get a course on, on that site? Yeah, great question. So uh, I have always helped people with their resumes, their careers. I think early on in college, I was the person that would just say, let me help you with the resume. Looks like a mess. We got to, we got to save this thing. And over time, I just did more and more of that. I kind of evolved into helping people with cover letters, interview prep, and probably have worked with hundreds of people at this point. I think I noticed about five years ago, I was giving the same advice and people were finding it very valuable. Uh, but at the same time, I was getting a little uh, tired of doing that. Like I, I kind of mastered that and wanted to move on to something more. So somebody challenged me to create a course. And, uh, a lot of times when people challenged me, that's how I, uh, end up taking action. Um, so created a course, basically just trying to make sense of what is the approach I teach. Um, and it's really, I think the resume, it's a resume course, but it's a vehicle to try and understand what your story is, what your unique strengths are, what your gifts are, you're bringing out into the world and thinking about how you can communicate and uh, sell yourself. So I've put it, I put it out there, um, created the content. It was kind of a uh, really rough draft version. I created a bunch of slides as uh, every former McKinsey consultant loves to uh, communicate in and uh, just recorded my voiceover on it. 
the first version wasn't great. I wasn't happy with it. It was kind of nagging at me. And uh, as I became a freelancer last year, I decided the first thing I would work on is uh, just improving the content, better slides, better voiceovers, better takeaways. But uh, it was a fun process. And uh, the way I look at it as experimenting with new platforms, um, the goal is not to be rich or uh, important, but just to uh, put it out there and learn. And uh, I've made it free right now. Um, I used to charge, but uh, I found free. I've, I'm getting a lot of random people reaching out saying this is really helpful. So uh, that's awesome. That's exciting for me. Yeah. And how does one get a course on Udemy? Can anybody just sort of sign up and, and put a course there? Some like some quality control in place, or or how how does that work? I'm pretty sure. I think it's a relatively low bar. Um, you, the key is differentiating yourself by how you title the course, uh, sell it, the your, your intro videos you create. But uh, I think anyone can join that. And I think I would encourage everyone to at least create one Udemy course. Uh, so challenge for the readers and uh, fellow members of Umbrex. Just because I think teaching forces you to learn better. Absolutely. And it helps you make sense of what you already know. I saw your course on Udemy. I haven't haven't like actually watched the whole, watched the thing. Is it a, do you do a series of short lectures or practically how did like what do you actually need to, to create to put something on there? Are there quizzes? Do you have you know how does it work? I essentially just wrote down everything I thought about resumes and then I thought about structuring it into different modules. So I've structured it into four modules and the course is very t- uh, geared toward you're probably beyond. Um, You've probably passed, you could probably test out of the course. Well, probably don't need it at this point, but um, it's geared towards college uh, students and young professionals, but geared around four modules, which is, okay, what are the basics? Two, how do you think about your strengths? Three, how do you think about crafting your story? And then four, how do you bring it all together? It's geared around that. There's a, there's a couple exercises people do. So I essentially created a uh, couple documents where it said, okay, here are your strengths, write down your stories, then walk them through the process of uh, making sense of that and uh, pulling together the uh, different themes, but also include some templates and uh, pretty actionable stuff they can use. But it's not one of these uh, like Udacity where it's kind of a kind of problem set that you do online, gets graded automatically. It's more like, hey, here's a exercise do it and then you know go watch the next video so it's not like a right okay yeah i can provide feedback so on the strengths exercise that i have people do they submit their strengths and uh some people do this some people just skip over it because it's a free course but i can then add feedback and everyone who does it i usually just go on hey that's uh really cool could you be more specific just trying to get feedback around those things so this is really interesting um this idea of you know, kind of creating a course on something that you know, really, number one, helps you kind of think about it and structure your thoughts to learn it better yourself. And it's it's a nice way to, you know, if you, you know, for any listener who knows about, you know, whatever topic you know about, thinking about putting a course together, um, uh, with, you know, on, on some platform online, if you are like facilitate offsites or do strategy reviews right. or a budgeting process, you know, put, putting something on there that's like a niche topic knowledge. Um, or maybe, you know, I've heard some other folks who create courses for LinkedIn, which maybe is a little bit higher production value. Um, right. But thinking about taking what you know and not just giving a speech, but actually kind of creating a, a mini course around it. 
Yeah, I would, I would imagine most freelancers. I mean, the freelancers I talk to are energized, working on a lot of things. Most have to have at least 10 courses in them, right? I think it's an exciting medium. I think what hangs people up is that perfectionist drive mm. of uh, doing something perfect. And I would encourage people just, just to publish, um, see what happens. You might not get the best feedback, but you're going to learn a lot. And the next one's going to be even better. I think that's the uh, way we have to operate with a lot of these digital platforms. Well, listeners of Unleashed know that <laughs> per- perfectionism has not held me back. <laughs> um, so, uh, but let's let's talk a little bit about your your coaching part. So, yeah, talk to me about how you uh, you know find clients and the type of clients you work with. You know, like what w- what's sort of the the cycle of that, you know, would you work with someone for years and years or more around a transition, helping someone think about their next step? Just talk to me about that business a little bit. Yeah. So I've definitely been uh, experimenting with that and it goes back. If I go back four years ago, I was at a networking meeting and I met a career coach and shared my kind of, I was kind of scared to share this, but said, Hey, I, I, my dream is to like be a career coach one day. And I talked about all the people I help. And I, at that point I had helped like a social worker become, move into tech. I'd helped a math teacher land a research job at McKinsey. I'd helped somebody uh, land a job at the white house. So I was really excited about like some of the stuff I had done. And she just kind of stopped me cold in my tracks and said, you are a career coach already. You should just think about that and do it. Um, so I, uh, after I was challenged, I definitely had to take action and just basically built a website, um, named it careersofpaul.com. Um, not, it's not up under that name anymore, but, um, put it up and emailed a hundred people I know and said, Hey, I am, uh, I'm trying this. I, uh, think I have value to offer and found a couple clients through that. And, uh, at first, it was helping people early career with career transition. And then like many things I do, I, I kind of wanted a different challenge. So I worked with uh, a CEO of a startup and helped her make sense of, okay, what am I trying to achieve? What are my personal priorities and where am I focusing in my business? And I think I was able to add a lot of value because of that strategy uh, background of saying, how do you, how do you synthesize information? How do you, how, how do you think about focus? And also just my understanding of business. So I did that. I developed a mini program where I help people take a step back and uh, think about, okay, what kind of life do I want to live? And then how do I um, think about a career in that context? And I've really been looking at the coaching as a learning vehicle for my consulting and writing work that I do. So in every new client I take on, I try to have it be a new type of challenge. So I'm not trying to build a coaching empire. It's um, it's a learning vehicle and really a small part of my business that um, kind of keeps me fresh. But also just realized I want, I love doing it. Um, so I've tried to spend more time uh, just volunteering uh, with college students, which I, I probably talk to a few students every week and I'm uh, part of a few mentoring programs. How do you frame and get into that piece around what kind of life you want to live? I mean, that's a pretty big topic. So how would you work with a, cl- uh, a client on on broaching that and, and, and sort of navigating through that that question to help the person find, find a set of answers? Yeah, it, so big takeaway for me was 
nobody asks a lot of people these questions. Like, what kind of life do you want to live? What matters to you? What are your values? Which I, th- I think we should be talking about more with people. And I often ask people, I think I'm very introverted and like to talk about the deeper stuff. <laughs> so sometimes people don't react as positively when I toss those questions out. But um, I think it's it starts with reflecting and uh, asking those questions. But for me in coaching, it's really about building that relationship of trust first. Um, so I spend a lot of time um, just trying to learn about, okay, who are you? Like, what drives you? And I think I'm very optimistic and I, I see so much potential in people. So <laughs> I have a lot of fun. And I think that people, when people see that somebody's going to believe in you and not really point out your um, weak spots, that they start opening up, they start talking about these things. And it's really kind of digging deep with a person. It's brainstorming around those questions and have definitely been influenced by uh, books like Designing Your Life where uh, that give kind of a structured approach to this. But um, yeah, it, it, I think it really starts with those two things, uh, building that relationship and uh, asking those questions that a lot of people never get asked. And on the career coach piece, would you typically work with someone kind of through a transition? Like when would they come to you when they they have a job that they want to leave and, and or you know, maybe they've been laid off or something and, and then you'd work with them through the, getting their next job and, and then that's kind of it into the assignment or like how, how does it how does that business work yeah so so the way i think about it is i want to be fired um i'm not trying to build a big coaching business so ideally the quicker i can be fired as a coach uh the more successful i am so every client I work with, I say, if you're not finding value, I want to refund all your money plus extra money um, just for the inconvenience. So that's kind of the frame I start with. And I say, let's think about building your skills and um, capabilities in terms of managing your career and a life um, such that you don't need me. Um, I know a lot of career coaches kind of have ongoing uh, relationships, and I think there's value in that, too. Um, especially throughout your career, just having the person that continually challenges you. But I think the way I've worked, um, at least so far, has been that. But a lot of my coaching relationships have really turned into uh, kind of personal uh, friendships as well, where I'm rooting for these people and uh, or they're following up and uh, rooting for me. So it, it's really been win-win. That's great. And you said that you're also have, uh, I mean, you're also doing some consulting. Talk to me a bit about your practice, your consulting practice. Yeah. So I am really focused around this idea of the future of work, right? I think that organizations don't do the best job of unleashing our potential. And I think a lot about those questions. So I try to focus on work that's within that domain. Uh, I was lucky to work on two really cool projects in uh, 2017. I was working one with a professor at MIT, uh, Zenep Tan, who is just somebody I really look up to, a role model, just a really impressive uh, person. And she launched a nonprofit called the Good Jobs Institute. And it was almost the perfect project. It was a culmination of me being able to use so many different skills, a random assortment of skills I had collected in my career, able to help them uh, launch a website, develop a bunch of uh, consulting tools, which they give away for free. And their core mission is to help companies thrive by creating good jobs. And they focus on the low wage, um, the low wage sector and kind of dispelling the notion that if you're in 
a retail setting, you need to pay your frontline workers low wages. And she's proved through operations and kind of taking lean approaches and just operations design that you can actually design things such that you can pay people well and be super profitable. Um, and uh, she studied companies like Trader Joe's and uh, America Dona, Quick Trip, um, who have uh, kind of broken that paradigm. So that that was a project. I was uh, doing a whole bunch of different stuff and then uh, also worked on a project to uh, help a company identify their uh, their cultural values, identify what they're trying to build in terms of um, their junior teams, the type of people, the type of behaviors, and uh, a really open-minded uh, head of a, a small search firm that uh, was a really fun project. Paul, you seem to me like someone who's very thoughtful about your own professional development. Can you talk to me about some things that you're working on right now and how you structure or plan out your, your own professional development? I'm not the best planner. I think, I think I luck out a little. I mean, I am an engineer. I love learning new skills. I love tinkering. I, I spend a lot of time just doing and not trying to plan it out too much. So I think as a freelancer, you learn pretty quick that one of the greatest benefits is the projects you do, you often don't have the full skill set, but it raises the bar such that you have to learn new skills and definitely experience that on that uh, Good Jobs Institute project. I had to brush up on some web design skills. I taught myself some video editing. I did uh, some graphic design and that was just super fun. I think for me, I really try to make sure that um, I'm optimizing around energy. So I often just get very excited about things and then I go do it. I think like with the Udemy course, I didn't know how to do that, but I was so excited to kind of share what I had created that it raised the bar such that I had to learn new skills. And I think that that fits for me because I just love learning so much. And I've tried to, I've really tried to design my environment around being able to have the time and space to create and just uh, try new things. How did you kind of get into this whole independent space, Paul? So I know you were at a, a top tier consulting firm and then you've, you've had a few other things. How did you, how did you land, you know, in, in the spot that you're at now? And it sounds like you're really having a portfolio of activities that, that you're in love with. Yeah. So I think for me, when I go back to where this started, it actually doesn't start with a job. It started right after business school, and I started feeling really sick. It led to me being chronically ill and basically fighting for my health and really trying to get better over a period of uh, 12 to 18 months. I had a really bad case of uh, Lyme disease, and besides the health stuff, which was really brutal, and I mean, anyone who's dealt with a health thing knows there's so much uncertainty about am I going to get better? I mean, people will say, oh, you'll, you'll get better. But deep down, you just really don't know. And that's tough. The second thing was I took some time off of work and uh, realized it was so tough for me to lose that connection to career. I defined myself so much by the resume, the companies I worked for, uh, the success I had. I was, I was really, I felt at the start of that like upward trajectory in my career right after business school. And I realized I identified so much with my career and it really didn't matter. I was kind of laying around trying to focus on my health out of work. And I realized I already had a lot of things that mattered to me. 
friends, freedom, community. So I really started thinking deeper around uh, what, how to design a life around those things. So as I, as I regained health, which I'm so grateful that I did, I, I started experimenting, like I said, with the career coaching stuff, started writing. Um, I started not being as afraid to put my passion out there in the world and uh, was so surprised. There's so many positive feedback uh, loops that happen when you do that. It's so scary to not follow the script, but when you do, it's, uh, it kind of led me on this path. So I'd say my freelance journey started uh, probably three years before with the coaching stuff, the experiments, the writing, um, and enabled me to take that leap to freelancing in a way that felt just, I think, natural and, and really just loving it. Paul, one question I like to ask every guest is, uh, are there two or three books? What are the two or three books that you have most uh, gifted most often? Ah, gifted. Yeah, so <laughs> you sent me this question before, and I struggled with it. I have a list of nine books, but... Um, <laughs> give, us, give us the nine. You don't no, have to cut it down. No. <laughs> uh, so let me start with Gifted Most. I think uh, Gifted Most is this book called How Will You Measure Your Life by Clayton Christensen. And a lot of the people I know are in the business world, and I just love how he frames living a good life in the context of the business world. Uh, one line that really stuck, sticks out in that is um, thinking about being a manager is a really honorable position because you're serving other people. And at the time when I was in the corporate world, that really changed the game for me and made me focus much more on the people around me and people below me um, to help build their skills. So that's that's definitely the gifted most one. Hmm. Um, I'll kick it to you. So I have three categories. Happy to go through all nine, but um I have what matters. I have living a good life, and then thinking. Let's, let's so hit them all. Three books for each all. of those. I, I, you... <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> so first, with thinking, uh, I have three books. One, The Righteous Mind: Why Good People Disagree on Politics and Religion. I think this one everyone should read in today's world, um, and it really frames how people um, make their decisions about politics and religion, how that's tied with morality. Uh, second is Nassim Taleb's Anti-Fragile. Mm -hmm. I think Taleb is just a student of history and pulls out so much wisdom from the past. That I mean, that book is just so dense with uh, some deep knowledge and uh, truths that just have existed forever. And the third there is Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin. Big idea from that is just thinking about how do you put yourself in the beginner's mind? Um, to start from scratch and assume you know nothing, but also what does it take to perform at a really high level? So love that book. And Josh Waitzkin was a chess prodigy and I think yep. and national chess champion, right? And then he also became a, probably one of the very few chess champions that also became, was it, is it judo, right? Or, yeah. Jiu-jitsu, I, I, I think. I think he's done jujitsu, but I think it was go. actually Thai Taiwanese push hands. There we go. Taiwanese push hands. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I think how he applied what he knew in chess to a physical domain, like Taiwanese push hands, and he became a national champion, I believe, uh, was just fascinating and has really inspired me to kind of think, think across domains. Yeah. I mean, there's not many, not many people who have been a, a chess uh, grandmaster and also Taiwanese push hands. I think world champion. I think he might have won the world championships one year. Wow, yeah. Cool. All right, so that's so that's thinking. Three books on thinking. Righteous Mind, Anti-Fragile, and Art of Learning. What was the next category? So the next one was Living a Good Life. All right. Um, first one already covered, How Will You Measure Your Life by Clayton Christensen. Okay. The second is 
Designing Your Life by two Stanford D School professors. I think you've read this book as well, but I think anyone who's thinking about following a different path, especially anyone who's going to become a freelancer, I think this is a must read. Just starts with the question of how do you design your life and thinking about how do you fit work um, in that context. The third one is Anything You Want by Derek Sivers. Now, this is a unique one. It's about a 70 to 80 page book and it it's on business, and I think it kind of breaks the mold of trying to be that 200-page uh, business book. But it's just so simply written, and so uh, he built a business that was just so authentic to what he really wanted to do rather than following the script. Um, and I think that's really a must-read for uh, anyone in business as well. And then Derek Sivers sold CD Baby and right. donated all or like the vast majority of it to a nonprofit for like musical education i think like what really amazing guy yeah um, he's uh he's fascinating and he has a great uh great blog i'm i forget the title but it's d-e-r-e-k and then is it s-e-v-e-r-s google it he's a great a great blog what what's your third category so the third one is what matters for mm-hmm. me i think a lot about okay what am i going to care about at the end of my life which really could be any time but I went through seeing my grandfather pass and uh, was there with a lot of my family when he passed and realized nobody he worked with was there. Um, So I think a lot about family and what matters and um, three books, um, all death themed. I think some people are averse to that, but I think uh, there's a lot of uh, wisdom in them is uh, Tuesdays with Maury. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have read. Sure. Um, Maybe, maybe when they're younger, but I think it's worth a reread when you're older. Second is the last lecture. Um, which is a Carnegie Mellon uh, professor who knew he was going to die and gave this last lecture that really uh, brought to life what he cared about, which was essentially just playing, right? Having fun and uh, thinking about his work in terms of play. Mm-hmm. It's really a powerful book, another short one. And then uh, the third is Survival in Auschwitz, uh, which I read uh, this past summer uh, by Primo Levi. And it's just really powerful about uh, somebody's experience who uh, survived Auschwitz, but um, just putting things in perspective. And uh, one line that really stuck with me is he talks about uh, he got like triple rations one day and um, he he said for that day he could suffer like the common man. Right. So he was suffering so much that um, we can't even imagine. Um, and he felt privileged that um, he had enough food to uh, think about suffering like the average man. Um, so definitely a must read. Uh, I recommend. Well, Paul, thank you for those recommendations. Those are awesome. You you tripled tripled uh, oration <laughs> here of, of book recommendations, which is great. It's great having you on the show and listeners of Boundless. Well, nice to nice to meet you as well. It's uh, thanks so much for the chat. Yeah, well, and I uh, just want to thank you. I think there's a lot of platforms out there, a lot of companies who are um, serving independent consultants, but I think a lot of their focus is on building companies or um, building a uh, big business. And I think you've done something really special with Umbrex around uh, building a community that is really focused on uh, the freelancers who are doing this work out there. So just want to thank you. I think you're doing some awesome stuff, great podcasts, and keep doing what you're doing. Thanks very much for those kind words. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unleashed, the show that explores how to thrive as an independent professional. Unleashed is sponsored by Umbrex, 
the world's first global community of top-tier independent management consultants. The mission of Umbrex is to create opportunities for independent management consultants to meet, share lessons learned, and collaborate. I'd love to get your feedback and hear any questions that you'd like to see us answer on this show. You can email me at unleashed at umbrex.com. That's U-M-B-R-E-X.com. If you found anything on the show helpful, it would be a real gift if you would let a friend know about the show and take a minute to leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And if you subscribe, our show will get delivered to your device every Monday. Our audio engineer is Dave Nelson. Our theme song was composed by Gary Negbauer. And I'm your host, Will Bachman. Thanks for listening. Hey all, thanks for listening to the episode. I really appreciate the support and especially always love when people reach out letting me know what they think about the specific episodes. If you want to go deeper into Pathless Path World, you can, of course, check out my book. It's sold. It's going to hit 50,000 soon. I think by the time you're hearing this, it will probably have already sold 50,000, which is mind-blowing. But I continue all the support of people that buy and share the book. If you want to meet others on Pathless Paths, I have a community, which you can find at pathlesspath.com slash membership, and you can join and meet hundreds of others around the world trying to make sense of weird paths and meeting others along the way. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a good day.